0: I get a chance to ask him questions like, did you dismiss the children? And, and then he gets to ask me questions like, don't you pay attention? <laughs> so it's fair. It's fair. Um, we're going to move uh, toward the sermon here in just a moment. But we want to bring you a little, a little report on our, our renewal process, on our... Um, workshop, our seminar we had last week with the Grandbergs. Uh, one of the things that uh, I love about the Apostle Paul is that when he writes a letter, usually the first half of the letter uh, tells you what's so, and the last part of the letter says so what, so what, so this is, this is why you believe and this is what you do because of what you believe. Uh, in many ways, our two meetings with the Grandbergs had that kind of structure that when we met back in November, they, they gave us a lot of preliminary work and, and they took our temperatures and our, our, our Myers-Briggs personality disorder index. Um, they did all of that and they plotted us all on a board and found out the person who was most like Jesus. Um... um not really. But, um, but it was uh, very good. But this, this last week, um, it was really exciting because we moved from sort of an intake of what the church is like. We moved forward to uh, creating uh, specific strategic initiatives to work on various aspects of our church life and ministry. Uh, for example, there's a, there are a number of initiatives that have to do with worship uh, and, and how we worship and the songs we're going to use and, and, and uh, how worship is planned and how the preacher has to work harder at, at laying out the plan for the, the, the Sunday. And, and not only does he have to work harder at laying it out, he has to tell somebody about it um, besides uh, just himself. Uh, and and, and the initiatives in children's ministry and all of this and 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 all of this is just really going to be good. We'll we'll put up some posters that tell you what the specific uh, specifics are. But but we really move forward in things that over the next four or five months are going to just do little, subtle changes that uh, help define us as a church, help us become a more inviting church to others, help us do things we always do better uh, and with more joy and and creativity, and and it will be good. None of this involved dousing ourselves with gasoline and running around the room. It was uh, all very, very good, very reasonable. In fact, uh, Jay Haley, come if you will, and grab um, if you want to grab his mic. Come on, I want to for Jay to get a chance to talk about this a little bit. Um, As reluctant as Jay is to talk about things, um, actually, he's one of our. Are, uh, are good talkers. Um, oh, and, and the reason I'm doing this is because Carrie McCall is home with a Jenny McCall who's kind of beginning to percolate. And he sent me an email this morning that said, I don't think I should leave her now. And in the immortal words of, of uh, Gary Thornton, don't you have a job? Um, but that was more or less correct. Yeah. But uh, we blessed him to stay home with Jenny and Maddie and baby to come. So I get to uh, intervene here. So, uh, Brother Jay, uh, for those of you who are visiting, Jay's one of our elders. Um, and uh, I could tell you a lot more than that. Don't. don't. Okay. But uh, in all of this, what's been the most encouraging part of it for you? Um, the fact that I'm encouraged.
1: Uh, I wasn't expecting to be encouraged at this point, really. I guess I was approaching it with some skepticism as to what anyone from the outside could come in and tell us that we didn't already know. Have had yeah. a certain arrogance there sometimes that we know it all. Um, and I've been through these kinds of programs before, these kinds of planning things. Yeah. But um, but truthfully, I am very encouraged. And there's a lot that they did, and the way they did it, that, that I think led to the encouragement. First of all, they're um, very prepared. They did their homework about us. Um, they didn't come with an agenda at all, uh, they came simply with some tools and some training and some teaching of us to basically uh, teach ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we basically had four full days of uh, being among ourselves, and uh, it was really a, a time of reflection through the lenses that they gave us to look through, mm-hmm. and uh, some time for us to discover on our own some things that uh, we haven't really given a lot of thought to. Um, and and the real surprise, I guess, was that um, uh, they told us some things uh, that uh, we hope were true about us mm-hmm. as far as our strengths are concerned, but um, one stood out particularly, they were just amazed at what a generous church this is. For a relatively small group of people, um, when you measure us against uh, uh, other churches, um, the, the amount that each of you gives sacrificially uh, to the services of this church and to the ministries of this church, uh, really was surprising to them and then also uh the harmony that we have among one another the unity that that is demonstrated uh, among us so they 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 were uh struck by the the fellowship and the harmony and the unity uh, among uh, the church and these were things that we hoped were true about us but it was good to hear someone else say that. It really was.
0: I like what you said about uh, the most encouraging thing was that we ended up encouraged. So, um, so one of the things that our, our job is to do is, is to share all that with you so you can enjoy that encouragement too. So uh, what do you think is the most important thing for us to do? Just what, what can we do to kind of lean into that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I must say, and, and I think that we would all say if I asked that question, that we've got to pray. Mm got to pray about it and yeah. uh, and and sometimes we use that word lightly and loosely uh, because that seems like the thing you should always say you should do in any circumstance but in this particular circumstance um, I'm really talking about a conversation with God uh, where we do as much listening as we do talking God knows this church very very well we don't He knows where we're located. He knows where he's been here longer than we've been here.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And um, so we don't need to explain very much to him about who we are and what we are and why it's important to be here. He's here. Um, And if I can embarrass Ann for a minute, um, I do use I do a lot, but um, (laughs) she said something the other day. Right, you know the Friday evening before the two days session between Saturday and Sunday. Uh, she came in um, with kind of an epiphany and um, because we've been talking about a lot of things and and, um, she said what what if God decides we're not the right people to do this that he has something in mind for this corner and what if we decide that we're not the ones to get it done Hmm. and um, I think that's an important attitude to have. What's well, really an attitude of humility that we may not have all the answers. But I think God knows what he wants to do. We just need to kind of figure out what it is. Yeah. And do it.
0: That's kind of holy indifference, isn't
1: it? It is.
0: We, we, don't, we just want to do what the will of God is. So we'll pray and we'll just make ourselves available to the work of God.
1: I think that's uh, the best thing we can do. That's and uh, I think the other thing is we've got to be of one mind in this. We have to be united in, in, in what we do and how we do it. And that's going to take a lot of patience. It's going to have to be... Um, we have to remove ourselves from the equation.
0: Yeah. That's good, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and, and you know, I think when you talk about being of one mind, my my guess is that Everybody in the church is willing to be of one mind if, if we, as the people who've been in part of this, will just share what we heard. <laughs> if we, It's hard to be of one mind with something you don't know about. And so we've got to do a really good job of, uh, of sharing all this and making sure there isn't any hide-the-hanky going on, you know. I, I, I know something you don't know. We want everybody to know everything we know. Thank you, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate good it. I think Brother Ronnie's gonna come read.
2: I went back to our tech team a few minutes ago and told them that I was going to be doing the reading this morning and asked uh, Whit how I could avoid any feedback. He said don't talk muffled I guess he thinks that's the way I talk, but uh, um, I'll do my best. So the first half of the fourth chapter of John is the story of Jesus' encounter with a woman at Jacob's well. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him A spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to her, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me woman, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks. I got up and ran off and left my Bible. Thought it might encourage some of you, if you saw, I came to got it. Came and got it. Thank you. going um, to we'll talk about this in just a minute. But, but let me just tell you um, specifically something about one of these uh, initiatives, uh, in how we do things. One of the things that uh, they, they said to the preacher, and it was very awkward at the moment, I thought, because, um, because I, I, know, I know the sermon I'm going to preach in like the first Sunday in November. I, I know what sermon that is. Uh, but knowing what, what the sermon is uh, may not be enough to do the kind of worship planning we need to do. And so, now, all of a sudden, since this meeting, my job is to have a specific plan of the sermon laid out 90 days before it's preached. Um, The the, the text, the topic, the reading text, what I see going on in in the text, what I want the sermon to do... Um, what I think would be a good Lord's Supper uh, devotional that grows out of that text. And one of the things, and what I would like the stage to look like while I'm preaching. Because they said, one of the things you need to do is stop thinking of the front of your building as a place where the speaker's stand is. And think of it as a place that adds to the message of the day. So here is a little attempt, a, a stumbling, falling down attempt to tell you that today has something to do with water. And I'm pretty excited. What's really great is that one of those is full of Gatorade, and if I do the sermon really, really well, Gary's going <laughs> to right over Actually, there's nothing in them, so don't get excited. (laughs) We pray this morning for the gift of preaching. We pray this morning for the gift of understanding. We pray this morning thankful to God for His Word. And for Jesus who came as the Word to be our life. In John chapter 4... You move out of the conversation with Nicodemus. You move away from John 3.16. You move away from John the Baptist talking about how the one whom God has sent has the spirit without limit. You move from questions about spiritual health and spiritual new life that Nicodemus might have had into the presence of this very different kind of person, different from Nicodemus, you couldn't get any more different from Nicodemus than the woman at the well. Nicodemus, as a, as a member of the Sanhedrin, as a, as a Pharisee, he's got, he's got his wife, Hannah, he's got some kids, he's got, you know, he's got a business, he's got respect, he's got people who do things for him in all likelihood and this samaritan woman is living a carpal tunnel life you know when you have carpal tunnel syndrome you know what that's called that's called a repetitive use injury a repetitive use injury Her life is full of that kind of repetition and that kind of of loss of meaning, but but just because things lose their meaning doesn't mean you don't have to do them. I talked about this uh, sermon being about water and calluses because if she's got to go to the well and get water for her family, there is a need for water every day. You don't have a day off from water. Some of you know what it was like to to have people in your family who were raised on the farm. And and when you would talk about, well, I have to work five days a week, somebody would come up and say, yeah, but you got to feed the hogs every day. Cows have to be milked every morning and every night. You're working five days uh, a week. Well, it's not like that out here. Out here we have repetitive... Repetitive, treadmill, constant life. You used to have a a, a guy named Carlton McLeod who would come to church in the winter time, and in his truck was the crowbar that he had already used when he went around to all of his stock tanks to break the ice on the water before church, so all the cows could have something to drink. When it's your job to draw water, you've got to work every day. And I thought about her hands. When you've got to reach down and grab your bucket and you've got to put that up on your shoulder and you've got to carry it down through the street and then you've got to put water in it that weighs eight and a half pounds a gallon. and You've got to take that back home. Pretty soon, they would be able to tell which hand was your water jug hand. They would be able to tell which hand you used as you ground your flour. They would be able to tell which hand you used as you did the things around your house. There is a matter of life that is day-to-day, and if you are Involved in all of this with your with your with your body, then you will have the calluses that come from that. And so when Jesus says, after he asked her for a drink, when he says, If you knew who he was asking you, you would ask him for water and he would give you living water that would never stop. And she can feel the weight of the water jug and the calluses in her hand and she would like to have that water so she doesn't have to walk to Jacob's well anymore. She'd like that. But then Jesus puts the clutch in and shifts in uh, to high and says, um, let's talk about your husband. Well, she's sort of got a repetitive use issue there too. She says, I have no husband. And Jesus, who knows all things, says you're right. When you say you have no husband, you've had five. And right now, you've sort of given up on the institution of matrimony. And, and the man you're living with, without benefit of ceremony, is not your husband. So what you've said is quite true. We don't know how old this woman is. She's still old enough to, to get water. We don't know how she came to lose five husbands. She may have gone through all the possibilities, Back then, women didn't have the option of being the lever. The men could die or pack. But they had a pretty easy time of leaving in those days. And so she's been admired. She's been vowed to, and she's found herself alone again, and again, and again, four, again, five, again. So now there are calluses, not just on her hands, but she's got a few calluses probably in her heart. When someone says, I love you, and I'll never leave you, she wonders if they've already got their bags packed. And we don't have much trouble stepping into this kind of world, do we really? Most of us have some aspect of our life that is repetitive, it's continuous. Uh, Some of us, I would say all of us, but some of you may have magical lives. Uh, Most of us are married to someone Who knows where one nerve is and occasionally is on it. Not Annette. And me, of course. We live an idyllic life. She's squinting at me. But we know what it's like. We know what it's like to have that... uh, That dog that won't stop barking. Some of us know what it's like to have that child that won't start listening. Some of us know what it's like to have parents who are parental. We know what it's like. We know what it's like to have those questions. Why don't you have a job? Why don't you get married? Why don't you have kids? Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you? And you can get to that place where things just get old and you're tired. You've had it. And some of us have just had our hearts broken. Some of the best of us have had our hearts broken. And some of us, who may be the best of us too, have been the ones who broke them. There are places in us that are hard because we're trying to protect ourselves from the pain. It's all water and calluses. And then Jesus does something here that is pretty sweet. And it's more than just the promise of the water. But it's related to the promise of the water. He lets her ask this question. And I used to make fun of this question. I still could make fun of this question. I'm not going to make fun of the question today. I think the question is a part of the lesson. She says, so tell me. Should we be worshiping in Jerusalem or on our mountain here in Samaria? There are two options on our repetitive use religion. There are two options that take us to law and law-keeping. There are two options that take us to temple and temple-keeping. There are two options that take us to to incessant sacrifice. There are two religious treadmills we could be on. And I just want to know if the Jews are getting the right religious calluses or are the Samaritans getting the right religious calluses. Jesus says, ah, I don't know if he said ah, but I think he did. Ah, the time of calluses is about over. The time of the calluses is about over. The time of, of Jerusalem is And the law and the temple and the sacrifice is about over. Now that's the right one right now. But it's about over. And the time for Samaria and your little temple and your sacrifices and your interpretation of the law, that's about over too. I'll tell you what's coming. What's coming is a time when worshippers... People alive in the presence of God will come alive in the presence of God in the Spirit. And the truth, there's a thing in Greek called hindiasis, right? This could be a time of Spirit driven reality, Spirit and truth spirit-driven reality because God is a spirit and what he wants are people who come as worshipers in spirit and truth, what is right and what is real. So this morning we hear that. And so you you could, you could say, so what are you going to do to renew your church? What are you going to do? We're going to be the people who step into the promise of the Samaritan woman. And move away from spiritual practice that is... I love that word, onerous. Wearying, deadening, numbing. And we will seek to become alive as the people of God in the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. And all of the Spirit's gifts, and all of the Spirit's promises, and all of the Spirit's opportunities will be ours. And if we get tired, we'll just be tired of standing in the glory. If we get tired, we'll just be tired of seeing renewal breaking out. If we get tired, it's just because we need to get a little sleep so we continue the journey to places we never thought we could go. But it won't be just water and calluses. It'll be spirit and truth. Let's stand together.